This episode is brought to you by Intuit. If you work for yourself, you're going to want to try out QuickBooks Self-Employed. It helps with everything you need to manage your business and personal accounting. Try QuickBooks Self-Employed and receive 50% off at tryselfemployed.com slash left. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, Gay USA, Decode DC, The Young Turks, Le Show, This Week in Blackness, and The Rachel Maddow Show. I can only assume that most of you have heard that the Supreme Court has decided that state bans on same-sex marriage are not constitutional, effectively legalizing same-sex marriage across the entire country. Uh, we knew this ruling might happen, but just a few years ago, we were thinking, well, this will eventually happen. But I certainly had no idea, Lewis, that by 2015, we might have full national gay marriage, even with the acceleration that we saw in individual states legalizing, we thought this was still a ways away. We did. Um, we thought maybe even five, yeah, I, I would say a minimum of five years away. So it is a little bit shocking. Yeah. This is just such great news. And it's great news because this is just not something we should be putting energy into. Of course, two consenting adults should be able to get married to each other. We have so many other issues. And Lewis, maybe if everything was just perfect in our world, we could put more time into analyzing the specifics of which consenting unions between individuals should be legal or not. And even then, I would say that it's a waste of time. But especially when we have so much going on on our planet and in our country, this is one of the biggest wastes of time. And I resent the primarily religious fanatics who have been pushing this into the issue that it has been because it's been energy and dollars and, and mind power that could have gone into something better. And fortunately, the Supreme Court has decided that it's not going to go any further. No, but that doesn't mean that we still won't have the distractions and the, the noise being made by those religious fanatics, right? Right. That's well, this, this, is, this is not the end, right? Some are going to fight this. Former Senator Rick Santorum said on NBC's Meet the Press recently that he doesn't care what the Supreme Court says, that, quote, we're not bound by what nine people say in perpetuity. It's important to understand he said that the Supreme Court doesn't have the final word. Mike Huckabee, who's also running for president, said uh, he signed the DefendMarriage.org civil disobedience pledge, suggesting that if he was elected president, he would just ignore the Supreme Court ruling in favor of same-sex marriage. Ted Cruz, if the court tries to do this, he said, it will be rampant judicial activism. It will be lawlessness. It will be fundamentally illegitimate. And then Ben Carson said he doesn't even think the law would have to be enforced because he says, according to how he believes the Constitution works, the president must carry out the law of the land and that the law of the land comes from the legislative branch, that a judicial law, as he describes it from the Supreme Court, would not need to be enforced. Ben Carson, as usual, living in a fantasy world. Yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah. Somehow he is twisting this up, and I don't know how you can just ignore one branch of government. I mean, it's there for a reason. Uh, you know, if, if their rulings don't matter, uh, you know, let's let's look back at that. And aside from these individual nuts on the right, this also isn't over because we already knew and we already saw that the new focus in the mayor in the battle against 
LGBT equality is so-called religious beliefs. We knew that from months ago, Lewis, and we said the uh, momentum of same-sex marriage is obvious. The fight now is going to be over individuals who should not have to serve LGBT individuals at their businesses or participate or do same-sex marriages. That is still going to be a front on this insanely bigoted battle, and we need to be prepared for that. And we need to remember that you can still be fired for being gay in many states. You can get married in any state legally now, but you can still be fired for being gay. That has not changed. So broadly speaking, the battle for LGBT rights has not ended, but this is a huge victory. You were there at the. So I was in. I was in the courtroom. Oh. I'm count, you know, we were counsel in uh, the Kentucky and the Ohio cases, um, and so I had waited actually in line um, a whole series of days um, to hear them issue decisions. Oh, you had to cases. sit there and listen to the Obamacare decision. <laughs> I listened to the Obamacare decision. Um, I listened to a decision about raisins. Um, it, was, it was fascinating. Uh, but then on Friday, um, I and a bunch of people had a sense that it, it was likely that then, and that if it hadn't been then, it was, it was only one day left. But so you, you, you file in, you sit down, they tell you you can't talk um, or make any noise or react or anything, and then they, the justices file in, and the chief says right off the bat, uh, Justice Kennedy has her opinion in number 14-556, Obergefell versus Hodges, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 here it comes. And obviously Kennedy being the author is a very good sign, but not a definite sign, and so what happens in the courtroom is they read an excerpt from the opinion, a summary, um, and some of the justices start out reading and they tell you what the you know how it comes out. Kennedy start just starts with the facts, like these are the plaintiffs and this is their claim and this is what happened in the lower courts, and we're like, we know that, <laughs> we know that, <laughs> we got it. But after a while, it maybe like six, seven sentences in, um, he says something and I forget what it was that made it clear to me and to everybody in the room. Um, that he that the majority ruling was going to go our way, and there was absolute collective um, relief and lots of tears, mm. lots of tears. I was crying. The guy sitting next to me was bawling, mm -hmm. um, and you know because because it was you know it's the culmination of decades of work. It's so much bound up in our individual worth, and to have the the Supreme Court and the country thereby say. You know, you're part of the American family. Welcome. We respect you. Is you know an amazing thing. I want to hear what the what the legal grounds were and how you feel about them and mm -hmm. how that affects us all going forward. Mm -hmm. on marriage, on any other relational issues, all that. Mm -hmm. What did we win? We won big. We won a huge ruling that obviously affirms the freedom to marry, big in and of itself. But Justice Kennedy took the liberty argument, the freedom to marry argument, 
and the equality argument that gay people must be included, and he wove them together as he often does. In and talked about, I don't. He essentially said, I don't see these two as different takes and completely going in different directions, as a lot of academics like to think of it as being. I see them as core constitutional values that, like a double helix of power moves us forward and that was the argument he made he talked about this as resonating in and drawing from liberty and equality and he uh, affirmed very powerfully the importance of marriage and he talked a lot about the values and principles and, and legal ratification ramifications of marriage he talked about the importance of including gay people and ending the demeaning ending the exclusion of gay people and to me that really si signals and gives us a lot to work with in saying to other courts and decision makers that the day of the gay exception in the law, the day of gays are different and excluded, has to come to, it, to an end. And I think this decision gives us a lot to work with as we go forward in making that case uh, beyond this huge achievement of winning marriage. And the one other thing he did that I found very, very meaningful was he went out of his way to say, this is not a new discussion. This didn't just happen. This isn't being sprung on the American people. There has been a debate, he said. There has been a conversation. There have been votes and battles and legislative grapplings and much, much discussion. And, and that is an important part of our history. But it's also important because it, it affirmed the legitimacy of the courts doing the right thing as this court powerfully did. I have always thought that, uh, you know, while marriage was not necessarily my issue personally, that it was the, uh, the vehicle to get to equality, uh, uh, to then interpret uh, us in all laws and, and situations as having equal standing as human beings in this country at least. Uh, has it accomplished that? Is that where we're headed? Well, this? I'm obviously interested to hear what my friends have to say, but uh, my answer is yes, and we should make it accomplish that. You know, spin up, lift up, don't trivialize. And uh, unfortunately, too many academics and uh, pundits and others like to say, but he didn't say this magic word, or he didn't do this, or whatever. I think we ought to look at this decision and see the power of the argument for liberty, equality, and inclusion mm -hmm. as sending a, a strong signal, affirming the dignity of gay people as a way of saying you cannot take these people and treat them differently, which is an equality argument. Mm -hmm. And then people like to get into, well, he didn't use the words heightened scrutiny or the other kinds of typical things we learned in law school decades ago. Well, you know what? This is what heightened scrutiny looks like. This is meaningful review that rejects and is skeptical of bogus distinctions and isolating of people and says they must, the government must have a real reason, and by the way, this reason isn't good enough. And he has now done that in four major gay rights decisions. This is heightened scrutiny. This is equal protection. It's the command of the Constitution, and we, meaning lawyers like James, need to go out and use it that way. I agree with uh, the assertions that uh, um, Tobias and Evan have made that this is a home run, that this is um, a big win, um, regardless of the details of the doctrine in the decision. We know by now that Justice Kennedy is a guy who sees the protections in the Constitution through liberty and equality in his own way. Um, and he's not, he's never written an opinion, at least in our area, um, that walks through the doctrine as it has been in, in interpreted a lot in the past. This is actually more clear than many earlier decisions because it couldn't be clearer about there being a fundamental right to marry that covers same-sex couples.
the equality part of the decision um, is not as doctrinally specific as it might be. Um, it's very clear that it, unequal access to a fundamental right gets you heightened scrutiny, and that is what he applied here. But I also think that it's not going to be hard um, for uh, appeal, federal appeals courts to level down from the Supreme Court to continue the evolution on the equal, equal protection side of things um, towards uh, more rulings that heightened scrutiny applies when the government discriminates against gay people. Because each of the factors that the courts look at when, traditionally, when deciding whether um, uh, discrimination by the government should be considered suspect are in the decision. He makes it clear that there's a history of discrimination um, against gay people. Certainly this court, the majority, doesn't think otherwise. He says twice that um, uh, sexual orientation is immutable. Mm -hmm. He makes clear that um, being gay or straight doesn't tell anybody anything about their ability to participate in society. He talks about the fact that um, homosexuality used to be considered a mental disorder and hasn't been considered that since the 70s. And he says the relative political power of gay people is irrelevant. Those are the four factors the courts have looked at. This is not going to be hard. Uh, do you think, do you think th he's making are, up... I'm just going to say, those are huge, huge things that have now been installed into the law. Exactly. Absolutely. People need and, to focus and, on And I really have to say to my colleagues in the academy, take this yes. and lift it up and stop trashing the things we win. I mean, this is powerful in exactly the, in the detailed way James said it and in the gestalt way that really will resonate with the country if we allow it to resonate. Well, but, but I think it is yes. resonating. I think I that, do. You know, oh, hugely. I, I mean, there, there will be quibblers um, and people focused on, the, on the, the, the details of the analysis, but big picture, those Absolutely. front page headlines, the reality of marriage um, in our lives in all 50 states, that is having an incredible That's impact. Exactly right. Most of history, the most preferred marriage form was not one man, one woman, but one man, many women. That was throughout the majority of cultures in the world, and it's the one most referred to in the first five books of the Bible. And in fact, through thousands of years of history, the theme song for most weddings could have been, What's Love Got to Do With It? Marriage was something you did in order to make alliances, to expand your family labor force. It was the main way they signed peace treaties. Through the ages, the story of Anthony and Cleopatra has come down to us as one of the great love stories of the world. So not a love story. Anthony and Cleopatra belonged to the two most powerful nations in the world. So the idea was, how do you get this alliance?
as societies became more complex and marriage was such an important political and economic institution, there were these huge battles between church and state over who could validate or invalidate a marriage. The Catholic Church was kind of unprecedented by saying, first of all, that you have to have monogamy, and second, you can't have divorce. And it took nine centuries for the Catholic Church to win and establish monogamy. The love match began to emerge in the late 18th century and began to be accepted. So the first draft of the love match, so to speak, involved redefining women and men as total opposites. Women became redefined as virtuous and moral and asexual. Men were expected not to cry, not to take care of emotional things and to become the strong male economic providers. So a woman was supposed to now fall in love before she married, but she had to marry somebody who could support her. So even after men and women were supposed to marry for love, for the next 150 years, it was very hard because marriage was still about the dominance of men over women. In the 1950s, the advice to a woman was, pretend you're interested in your husband's work. Don't tell him about your day at home. He won't be interested in that. So it's only recently that we have tried not only to build marriages that are based on love, which was itself a radical recent invention, but to build marriages based on equality, which we've only been trying to do for the last 40 years. We're doing it without any roadmaps. You know, one of the things I find fascinating is the fact that marriage has changed so many different ways uh, over the centuries that you're talking about, millennia really. Why do we think of it as such a fixed concept today? Well, um, one of the things that I think is very ironic is that there were same-sex marriages in many cultures of the past, but there's one thing that's unprecedented about the demand for same-sex marriage today, and that is that it is not based upon people playing two different roles. Same-sex marriage in the past was usually between uh, someone who played the man's role, even if he was a woman. I could be a, a female husband in Africa and own cows or on the Plains Indians and I wanted to go hunt with the men, and then I'd be married to someone of the same biological sex who played a different social role. So what's unprecedented is the demand that we let two people choose their own roles. Um, and almost everything that has led to the demand for same-sex marriage was actually pioneered by heterosexuals. Uh, heterosexuals said, let's make marriage about love. And then in the 1920s, they said, let's also make it about sexual attraction. And then in the 1930s, they said, well, let's say that you don't have to have kids if you're married. Let's give you birth control. And then in the 50s, you know, in the 50s, it used to, uh, if artificial insemination was considered a, a child born out of that, it was considered adultery, and a child born out of it was deemed illegitimate. So then we said, well, okay, we're going to let you have children, even if you biologically can't. And so, you know, you can see at this point, same-sex people say, hmm, this is beginning to be more relevant. 
relevant to me. The crowning blow was in the 70s and 80s when we repealed the head and master laws, the laws that said men have some rights and obligations in marriage and they're totally different than the ones that women have. And at that point it seems to me that it was almost inevitable uh, once we said marriage is an association of two individuals that can have kids or doesn't have to have kids, they don't have to be able to have kids and they can have kids, uh, they should be sexually attracted to each other, they don't have to play any particular role to pe for, <laughs> for gay and lesbian friends to say, hey, this now applies to me. So I think that's one of the ironies of it. And the pushback, I think, comes from two sources. One is people who truly believe that homosexuality is immoral. Others, though, I think are pushing back because they don't like the changes in gender roles that are going on. And that's kind of the final uh, culmination of the changes that have made men and women more, I wouldn't say androgynous, but certainly more similar in their interests and their activities, their rights and their obligations. If you're self-employed and looking for a better way to manage your finances, you can save 50% on an entire year of QuickBooks Self-Employed. Now, you're probably already familiar with the difficulties of trying to keep your business expenses separate from all your personal stuff. For instance, that romantic dinner with your partner is personal, but the client lunch is business. Well, now QuickBooks Self-Employed takes care of everything you need, expense tracking to keep your finances straight. They'll help you calculate your business deductions like home office and mileage, and then even help you prepare for your quarterly estimated taxes. Find out what QuickBooks Self-Employed can do for you and receive 50% off at tryselfemployed.com slash left. That's tryselfemployed.com slash left. The four justices of the Supreme Court who voted against same-sex marriage today each wrote dissenting opinions, and you should take a look at them. It'll help you to understand the way they view our society. We're going to focus here on the Young Turks today on two, the Chief Justice Roberts and the Chief Gasbag Scalia. First, Roberts, who said, The majority's decision is an act of will, not legal judgment. The right it announces has no basis in the Constitution or this court's precedent. Just who do we think we are? I don't. Did he say that same thing after Citizens United? I don't believe he said. Mm. Who do we think we Wait are? Wait a minute. Now the five justices that decided that you could do unlimited bribery of politicians. No, no, no. Kennedy, by the way, the same deciding vote that in this case voted for gay marriage also voted in favor uh, of allowing unlimited money into politics. Mm. He was the bad guy in Citizens United, and he said, if you give unlimited money to politicians and you spend unlimited money in politics it doesn't even give the appearance of corruption nothing <laughs> yet i don't remember roberts complaining about uh runaway judiciary mm -hmm. that what are we doing here who are we what about the american people the american people over 90% of them thinks that money corrupts politics yeah you five don't agree you live on planet corruption is awesome Right, the rest of us. Over, 
more people believe that money corrupts politics than almost any other issue. It's a much bigger agreement than on gay marriage or anything else, right? Yeah. And those five guys said, no, nah, no, nah, I don't know. I like, I like it. Well, yeah, freedom is, we'll call it speech. Money equals speech. Wait a minute, money never equaled speech before. That before 1976, before the Supreme Court made that decision, there's no such thing. No, and that corporations are human beings. You made up all this crap. You unloaded it on, on top of us so that we lost our democracy. And you didn't complain then. You loved it then. But my God, gay people get to be equal to straight people? Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? Who are we? How This is a, a runaway judiciary. Yeah. What are we doing here? Well, his statement is a perfect example of projection, right? Because he says that you're, you know, the... the Justices that are in favor of, of gay marriage are practicing their will. But that's what you do, right? You are willing to ignore the Constitution and the fact that we're all supposed to be created equal and treated equally to practice whatever conservative beliefs you have in discriminating against same-sex marriage. Yeah. Classic case of projection. You guys can keep bringing up how, how many Americans support not having our government be flooded by money, but thankfully we're not ruled by 275 million unelected citizens. <laughs> uh, so here's more of Roberts. Understand well that this what this dissent is about. It is not about whether, in my judgment, the institution of marriage should be changed to include same-sex couples. It is instead about whether, in our democratic republic, that decision should rest with the people acting through their elected representatives or with five lawyers who happen to hold commissions authorizing them to resolve legal disputes according to law. The Constitution leaves no doubt about the answer. Again, we could point back to other times, like with Citizens United, where he didn't just make stuff up, but he directly went against prior precedent that said that you can limit the influence of money in politics. And, uh, and, and the Constitution does have an answer. The Constitution, we decided through Marbury versus Madison, the original precedent said by the Supreme Court that the rest of the branches agreed to and followed, that yes, the Supreme Court gets to interpret the Constitution. Here they interpreted it with an incredibly reasonable decision that equal rights means equal rights for everyone. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how dare you? The Constitution does not allow for this. No, that's exactly what the Constitution allows for. They're monumentally full of crap when it interferes with their religion. Yeah. You know, oh, no, oh, but no, no, you uh, disagreed with my unelected sky god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how could you do this to my constitution? You're so full of it. You don't care about the constitution, and you certainly don't care about the will of the people. Hey, you want to say five unelected, and you're one of the unelected uh, Supreme Court justices. You're like, no, I wanted the four unelected uh, Supreme Court justices to win, not the five unelected Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a great point of principle, right? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense at all. And if you say to me, hey, we shouldn't let five unelected uh, justices dictate the law of the land, Great. Take away Citizens United. You got a deal? You want to do it? You want to do it? Oh, you don't want to do it. When, he, when, it's, when it helps you and your corporate buddies, you love it. You're right? Okay. I didn't, then all of a sudden you love the five unelected Supreme Court justices. Yeah. When it puts Bush in office, they're, they're big fans of it. Exactly. Political. You're, we're talking about political? <laughs> you guys shredded states' rights. Scalia was in that decision. Mm -hmm. He shredded states' rights with Bush v. Gore. He said, Florida, you don't have any... You don't have any right to count the votes in your state. There's no decision more against states' rights than Bush v. Gore. Any five unelected justices made the most political decision the Supreme Court has ever made by definition. They elected, they decided who would elect the president, even though Al Gore got more votes, mm -hmm. no question about it. And if you're talking about electoral votes, they did the recount, the 
the, the press uh, did the recount afterwards. By every definition, Al Gore would have won. But no, five unelected justices overturned the will of the American people. And some of those same guys have the nerve to complain about unelected justices in the case of this decision. Then he, he needles you a little bit more near the end of his dissent, saying, celebrate the achievement of a desired goal, celebrate the opportunity for a new expression of commitment to a partner, celebrate the availability of new benefits, but do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. Wow. Jesus. Apparently he doesn't have an understanding of the Constitution, which yeah. is a little troubling considering Eat, he's a Supreme Court justice. That's a good point. <laughs> Eat your cake and I will rub it in your face too. Yeah. I guess. You know, you know why he says that? Because he knows he's on the wrong side of history. He says it. He says it a couple of different places. Mm. He talks about how, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, this, our dissent will not be looked upon favorably. That's right. Because you know you're on the wrong side of history. You know that at the end of the day, what we always decide is equal rights for all Americans. And you know that every Supreme Court justice that had voted against equal rights for different sets of Americans yeah. turned out to be the bad guy of history. And that's what you are, and you know it, but you're like, yeah, but I, but it really offends my sky god. It really does. So, constitution and history be damned, justice be damned, equal rights be damned, I gotta say no. Yeah. Okay, well then you know who you are. That's, uh, I tweeted out, The Onion had one of their best headlines ever. It's just the pictures of the four justices who voted against it, and it was, conservative justices simultaneously realized they'll be villains in Oscar-winning movie someday. <laughs> they're going to be at the end voting against it, and they're going to be overturned. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, now let's turn to Antonin Scalia, who is a bit more feisty than Roberts. He says, but what really astounds is the hubris reflected in today's judicial pooch. Pooch? <laughs> the five justices who compose today's majority are entirely comfortable concluding that every state violated the Constitution for all of the 135 years between the 14th Amendment's ratification and Massachusetts' permitting of same-sex marriages in 2003. That's right. Yeah, basically. That, that is what happened. Yeah, you know, we've done that before with slavery. <laughs> like, no. we've gotten it wrong for a really long time. I love that argument. Like, but we've been discriminating against gay people for a really long time. You're going to change things? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, that's your you. argument against allowing same-sex yeah. marriage. Wow. So, <laughs> under that same idea, and, and this is indisputable, that since the 14th Amendment passed all the way to Brown versus Board of Education, the Supreme Court had allowed, through decisions like Plessy v. Ferguson, that uh, segregation was acceptable. So black people aren't really equal. They got colored water fountains. They have much worse education system. Mm -hmm. All those things. Housing, we, right? They, so would they decide decide to ignore the Fourteenth Amendment? They were not going to give them due process. They were not going to give them equal rights. And the Supreme Court sanctioned it for a long, long time. So I guess at Brown versus Board of Education, Scalia would have said, "No way. We've been discriminating against black people for time immemorial. So now we're going to give them equal rights, like the Constitution says." Outrageous! This is a judicial pushed. Yeah, I, I think he might have said that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe that was his argument. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Like by the way, you got to read it. it. Just even if you just read Scalia's portion, it's like nine pages long, but it's filled with stuff like this where he's not just attacking like gay activists, gay supporters. He attacks the other justices just so boldly. The opinion, speaking about the majority opinion, is couched in a style that is as pretentious as its content is egotistic. Projection. He, oh, yeah. he went on to say he referenced go go ask a hippie. Like he, yeah. he wants to he wants to make sure that you know that he belongs in the twenties, perhaps the forties. He says hubris is sometimes defined as overweening pride, and pride we know goeth before a fall. But they're pretentious, by the way. He wrote that. 
Who speaks like that? He just attacked nonstop how they were trying to be poetic. They're trying to be faux memorable. They are being fucking memorable. We're going to be reading this for another 100, 200 years. It's a very important decision. I, ironically, he's being fairly melodramatic here. A little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, Scalia um, said, oh, the beginning of the majority opinion talks about how the Constitution protects a person's core identity. He said, if I wrote anything like that, I would... He said, quote, I would hide my head in a bag. Right? No, you write things that are far more pompous. They just said something very simple, like, hey, we should protect every yeah. American. You write things like, oh, I do declare it, the pompous, the falls, and the push, and the bass. And fuck off. Who are you? You don't realize what a jackass you sound like. You don't, you have, what he, and the reason he does it is that he gives an intellectual veneer to his bigotry. Mm -hmm. So it makes him feel better. Absolutely. So he uses the fancy words and the fancy turn of phrase, which actually is not logical. We're not, you, you think you're impressing us? Like we can't understand those words? We mm. also went to good schools. We know what those words I mean. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I know what go with means. <laughs> so we, we read the same books. It's not like you tricked us. Yes, your underlying point still sucks. Your underlying point is, I know, but I don't want to give them equal rights. Mm. I know it says in the Constitution they should have equal rights, but really, we got to give them the right to marry one another and decide their, uh, you know, their expression. He thinks he's being cute, not just with the intellectual veneer, but he gives an example in his dissent about, oh, they, the, the justices in the majority say that this is about freedom of expression. A court, even Scalia admits, yes, that's a core right as Americans mm. you have. In fact, that's the excuse he used to give away our democracy when he said billionaires also have freedom of expression. They just express their feelings and their views by giving someone a yeah. hundred million dollars. Yeah. They're just expressing their views, right? They're, they're American expressing their views. <laughs> right. Well, and you are talking about an overthrow of the government. You guys overthrew our democracy. And you were among those guys, Scalia, in yeah. Citizens United. Okay. So he says, oh, freedom of expression. Uh, but a marriage, and everybody knows that a marriage actually limits your expression if you have a wife. <laughs> God, you're unbearable, man. You're Archie Bunker. And, and, and you think you're clever, but you're playing with people's lives. This is yeah. not a cute little thing like, oh, my wife doesn't let me speak as much. No, they're not allowed to visit each other in the hospital as they lay dying as their partner, their lifelong partner, people they've been with 20 years, sometimes 50 years. They're not allowed to have the same visitation rights. They're not allowed to share their property with, with one another. They're not allowed to have all the rights that every other American has. And you think you're being cute with my wife doesn't let me talk, ha, 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 so this is actually against the freedom of expression. You put that in a Supreme Court decision, and then you have the gall to criticize the other justices for how they quoted Cicero and Confucius and actually try to make an intelligent argument.
From CPR, Continental Public Radio, this is All in All. All in All, CPR's daily look between the eyes and under the carpet of today's news. I'm Milton Getzler in Washington. The Supreme Court's decision finding that the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause forbids the banning, uh, sorry, bans the forbidding of same-sex marriage has resulted in a welter of reaction. Joy in gay areas and something between regret and resistance in many southern states. Ira Zipkin traveled to one Alabama county where that resistance is already in high gear. Murphy Junction, Alabama. It's a quiet little town with resistance in its DNA. Our ancestors uh, kept fighting the war of northern aggression for two whole months after they said it was over. Didn't lose anybody because uh, by that time nobody was shooting back. Judge Jim Pinckney is the justice of the peace in Murphy Junction. He's white-haired, white-bearded, and white. I think this is uh, the only county in Alabama where uh, when the feds came in to supposedly uh, electrify the area, we rode them out of town strapped to mules. <laughs> we didn't get electricity till 1957. And now he's at the head of a new resistance movement to oppose the Supreme Court's decision requiring states to perform same-sex marriages. I know one of my colleagues in a neighboring county has uh, just been refusing to issue marriage licenses to anybody, same-sex or other. I didn't think that went far enough. So as of uh, this past Friday, when we could get the new signs printed up, my office isn't granting any licenses of any kind. You want to open a store? You go to one of those gay marriage counties and do your store opening there. The way I read the Bible... I'm not issuing any more licenses until the Northern Constitution is corrected or until the rapture, whichever comes first. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. First, they tell us we can't fly our flags. Now they tell us we can't defy our... <laughs> well, you get the idea. While the judge is reading his Bible, a friend of his a quarter mile down State Route 1223 is reading the court's decision. As far as I can tell, and I'm a learned man in two different languages, only one of which is English, this decision doesn't say anything about marriage being limited to uh, just men or women. Reverend Roger Cheeks is the pastor of the Church of the Most Blessed Nazarene. He wears a clerical collar and work shoes, and he wrote his Ph.D. thesis at Bob Jones University on a new method of proving the existence of angels. So in my capacity... As a shepherd of this uh, congregation of folks, I presided this weekend over two weddings. I consecrated the union of a gentleman and his lorikeet, Lonnie. It had taken him several months to teach the bird to say something that sounded like uh, either I do or I chew. And uh, just this morning, I wedded holy matrimony, a dray horse and a leaf blower. So the point of these weddings is just uh, to mock the idea of gay marriage? Well, uh, the the point of these weddings is that I get $25 for each ceremony over which I preside. But uh, the bigger point, although I don't mean to minify $25, the bigger point is that once you stray off the path of biblical precepts, you're in a hellhole of nonsense. I will say, in all fairness, 
that the gentleman and Lonnie do seem to be very happy. I haven't been, uh, been able yet to check back on the horse. You know, I, I hear some people from up north near Birmingham uh, saying this is just like uh, equal rights for the black people. But at least when those folks were slaves, and of course I'm, I abhor slavery, but they were happy. Uh, the, the sodomites, by contrast, have always seemed to me to have a, a chip in their shoulder. Across town, two blocks away, Iris Claypool runs the Sunny Side Up Bakery. She has her own form of resistance. Somebody comes in, wants me to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Sooner or later, the law is going to say I can't say no. But there's no law on God's earth that says I have to put frosting on it. This isn't a campaign that's uh, going to catch on all at once, but uh, by mid-November, I guarantee you'll see most everybody in this county getting on board. If only to stop getting the parking tickets. <laughs> on my way out of town before darkness falls, I'm Ira Zipkin in Murphy Junction, Alabama. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I would like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and get everything you can get used from a place like Craigslist. You will save yourself a boatload of money and reduce the endless flow of new stuff getting shipped across the world because that seems more convenient than meeting a neighbor. Failing that, try a locally owned small business. Failing that, if you're left with no choice other than to buy something from a place like Amazon, then at least there's a way you can do it and support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com and shop as you normally would. Better yet, click through on the link to your country's Amazon store only once and then bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumption altogether, consuming sustainably, or at least consuming in a subversive way. Let's go through some of the reactions to the momentous Supreme Court ruling that state bans on same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. Immediately after the ruling, anti-gay bigots had any number of complete and utter meltdowns. Near the top of the list is the American Family Association's Brian Fisher, who started on Twitter equating the decision to 9-11 and slavery. He wrote, June 26, 2015, the day the Twin Towers of Truth and Righteousness were blown up by moral jihadists. Sending another tweet, June 26, 2015, a day which will live in infamy. And then saying, from a moral standpoint, 626 is now our 9-11. A similar diatribe made it onto his radio show, which is what I'll play for you now. Let's take a listen. 626, that's today, June 26, 2015. 626 is now our 9-11. From a moral standpoint, 626 is the new 9-11 because it was on this day that five justices of the United States Supreme Court became moral jihadists. They became rainbow 
jihadists, and they blasted the twin pillars of truth and righteousness into rubble. And they did this by imposing sodomy-based marriage on the United States through an act of judicial tyranny. So, ladies and gentlemen, what this means is that we, the people, have ceased to be our own rulers. We are now serfs on a plantation that's being run by cultural elites who wear black robes and use their gavels like the slaveholders of old used to use their whips to beat us. It's a moral 9-11, Lewis, 626, and he talks about serfs on a plantation alluding to slavery. I was actually expecting to see tears cascading down his rosy cheeks as snot bubbles ballooned from his nose amidst unintelligible sobbing. Brian Fisher was actually relatively calm compared to what I thought might happen. Yeah, maybe the rampage happened uh, before he went on air. He had to vent that uh, that anger and frustration. I guess if this is a moral 9-11, that makes us terrorists, right? Well, I was going to say, it's so loony that he's using the 9-11 reference and talking about moral jihadists. The jihadists hate gays. Brian Fisher agrees with the jihadists way more than anybody who was on the side of equality here. Brian Fisher and the jihadists would actually have a lot in common if we put their religious beliefs side by side. Yeah, the name of the religion would be different, but their beliefs would be pretty similar. It's insane that he thinks the moral jihadists are the ones who are in favor of equality here. You're more concerned with definitions than you are with love. Are you homophobic or just plain dumb? You're jealous, genocidal, God spreads hate like a crusade. There was a, a message that was put out earlier today. Oh, good. Today. Oh, a message uh, from, uh, yeah, from the people. I, I can, good. I'll, I'm sure this will be great. That. It's a really reasonable. This I mean, is going to be very great. I'm excited. Oh, no. <laughs> I am a little bit nervous about people um, kind of hearing that I am this way and then thinking, um, uh, well, you know, She's not welcome here. <laughs> I would say I am different. <laughs> We're all different. Most people probably think I'm already weird anyway, so I mean, I don't think society's impression of me is going to change drastically based on one or two discoveries that come to light after this video or pretty scary you know you, do you understand how hard it is it must be out there for people who are who, who are coming out with their with their beliefs i mean like at, at this moment we're 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 being questioned about everything and 
it's so great that we are that doors are being opened for the LGBT space, but yeah, they're still I, they're still uncomfortable with you, you. You can hear them; they're talking about how uncomfortable they still is. Even when America, like, like we just passed a Supreme Court thing, like, like they can marry, they're still super uncomfortable. And it's also a very diverse video. I think it's a very that's diverse really video. Important. We've got a black yeah, man, we've got a right. white man, white woman, an Indian man. So they're right. really hitting some hard, and, and, some hard hitting issues here. And, you know? and even now, even now. With all of the stuff that's happened here, yeah. with all the rights that uh, that's been uh, 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 still being fought for, mm-hmm. still have been given up, they're having such a hard time. There's fear. Even. You wonder how many people can I really, truly, honestly be open with? I've tried to change this before, but it's too important to me. I actually think. And really, why should they have to change who they, they are? They shouldn't have to change who they are. They exactly, you shouldn't have to change who you are. And it's it, it's it's a it's a crying shame that society makes folks change who they are and won't let them love who they love. It's it's just ridiculous, really. Marriage is between a man and a woman. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm sorry. Wait, what? What? I already have. I'm wait, sorry. What? what, what I'm sorry. What? This, I, wait, hold on. I think the video got spliced or something like that because I, 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 I think <laughs> I heard something else. Wait, what? <laughs> that will never change. Oh, no, no. I, 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 please rewind. Come again. Me too. No, I said rewind and then the comment again. So we'd be ashamed of how we really feel about. No, 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 no. I'm something is wrong with this connection because I thought they just said that marriage should be between a man and a woman because they were talking about their feelings of being persecuted and then all of a sudden they they threw out man man marriage between man and woman. I'm confused about that. That's weird. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not out of it, right? I've tried to change this before, but it's it's too important. I actually think marriage is between a man and a woman. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. I already have an idea of what marriage should be. That will never change. At the end of the day, I think we don't need to truly be ashamed of how we really feel about things. So I'm sorry. Did these mother... Did this... Did this is... Mother- I'm going to say it. These motherfuckers right here. Did they... Did in, this, in this overwrought commercial about... I don't... It's been really hard and I, I don't know how I feel, but... And I'm afraid I'm not going to be welcome once people know who I am. What you mean a bigot? They just, they just, baby. They all. It felt like they all. They made a it gets better video. Yeah. But about being them a, not being able to say that they are anti marriage equality. Like, like that's some fringe position. Like, 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 like it's like. Listen, I mean, you know what? I think soon as because like the polls are pointing that like more people are accepting of it. So now they're like, hey, soon as it's uh, over fifty percent. Now we're persecuted. Yeah, literally. Yeah. That's a, like yeah. they they made a persecution video because ma- wh- wh- what? Yeah. What? That's not even. That's not even.
You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you've had some good news, you're probably not even angry, but there's still more work to be done. Today's activism, hashtag not one more. Genesette Gutierrez is an undocumented trans woman of color who stood up and interrupted President Obama at the White House Pride reception, calling for attention to be paid to the plight of LGBTQ immigrants who are regularly imprisoned and abused. She was shouted down by her fellow members of the LGBTQ community. Pride, like the mainstream movement for marriage equality, is often very white, very cis, and very male, sidelining those like Gutierrez. As we've outlined before in the show and previous activism segments, the marriage equality victory being celebrated at the reception that day is an important step, but it should be seen as the first of many for LGBTQ people. As black trans queer feminist Raquel Willis wrote last week, quote, Today, with New York City streets still glittering from the aftermath of the weekend's Pride festivities, I stand in solidarity with Gutierrez as she stands up to the government and the queer elite. Many have given their half-hearted support, agreeing with the cause, but discrediting her methods. To these people, I ask, when is the right time? Those of us who have not been able to play the assimilation game learned long ago that respectability politics means nothing when our community is constantly under threat, unquote. Undocumented LGBTQ people are an especially vulnerable group, often being subjected to abuse during detention and disproportionately facing deportation and separation from their families. The group Familia, Trans Queer Liberation Movement, has built quite a coalition in under a year and a half specifically to address issues like the detention, abuse, and deportation of transgender immigrants and undocumented people. Their campaign, hashtag NotOneMore, which you can find at this URL all spelled out, not one more deportation.com builds collaboration between individuals, organizations, artists, and allies to expose, confront, and overcome unjust immigration laws. Through their website, you can support individuals facing deportation, share stories and artwork, and call your representatives to end abuse and detention. While the White House released a memo on the detention of transgender immigrants in response to pressure from the hashtag NotOneMore coalition following the White House Pride reception, guidance documents don't have the force of law that will prevent abuse and violence against those being detained and deported. In their petition titled, Tell President Obama Don't Discriminate Against LGBTQ Immigrants, Familia seeks to remind us and the president that justice is not achieved until no one is left behind. Quote, millions have finally been provided relief, but millions more have still been excluded, unquote. You can sign the petition at notonemoredeportation.com, calling for the president to expand deferred action for all families and amplify the stories and artwork of those affected by this unjust immigration policy. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources. And as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the activism tab at bestoftheleft.com. So as we unreservedly celebrate the Supreme Court victory for marriage equality, let's also remember that there are plenty of rights of LGBTQ people beyond marriage we still need to address. Be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about hashtag not one more via social media so that others in your network can join in.
today one of the most sweeping civil rights rulings in American history, certainly the biggest gay rights ruling ever in American history. A clear and resonant and easy to understand, blunt declaration by the majority of the court. The limitation of marriage to opposite sex couples may long have seemed natural and just, but its inconsistency with the central meaning of the fundamental right to marry is now manifest. With that knowledge must come the recognition that laws excluding same-sex couples from the marriage right impose stigma and injury of the kind prohibited by our basic charter. Especially against a long history of disapproval of their relationships. The denial to same-sex couples of the right to marry works a grave and continuing harm. It's all from the ruling. If you want to know the part of the ruling that the part of this that, that you will hear at weddings from now until the end of your life. If you want to know the part of it that will be written out again and again as almost calligraphic practice of what it means to articulate American justice and American progress in your lifetime, this is it. This is the part that you will hear over and over and over again from year, for years to come. You can say it with me now. No union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. In forming a marital union, two people become something greater than once they were. As some of the petitioners in this case demonstrate, marriage embodies a love that may endure even past death. It would misunderstand these men and women to say they disrespect the idea of marriage. Their plea is that they do respect it. They respect it so deeply that they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. Their hope is not to be condemned to live in loneliness, excluded from one of civilization's oldest institutions. They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law. The Constitution grants them that right. It is so ordered. And that's that. You know, in 1993, a trial court in Hawaii ruled in favor of same-sex marriage rights. The resulting freakout about what that court was doing in Hawaii caused the Congress of the United States to almost immediately pass a federal anti-gay marriage law in 1996. Bill Clinton agreed to sign that thing before it had even passed the House. That was 1996. By 1998, 31 states had passed either their own law banning gay marriage or a state constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. Some states ended up doing both for good measure. In the year 2000, it was Vermont that passed civil unions. In 2003, Massachusetts State Supreme Court ruled in favor of marriage rights. But the resulting backlash to Vermont and Massachusetts, the resulting backlash went so high as the sitting president of the United States saying not just that he'd sign a law, but that the U.S. Constitution should be changed to block gay people from ever actually enjoying that right. Change the Constitution of the United States to stop gay people from getting equal rights. Inspired by that clarion call to stop the progress of social justice, Hoping that a chance to cast an anti-gay vote might really bring conservative voters out of the woodwork and into the polling places. In the presidential election year of 2004, 11 states passed state constitutional bans on same-sex marriage. Two years later, in 2006, eight more states passed eight more bans. The history of marginal advances on this issue, advances here and there in different kinds of venues, the history of the advances on this issue around the country that history has been met by conservatives and Republicans with ferocious and often disproportionate backlash for decades now. But as hard as they have fought to stop it, they have now lost. 
they have lost, definitively and finally. After all these evolving maps that we've tried to keep track of over the years about where you might have rights and where you might not have rights, where your marriage might be recognized and where it would be illegal, where your kids have two parents and maybe they only have one parent and a friend, right? After following these maps, after trying to put them together, after trying to track this, after all that push and pull and achievement and blood-curdling backlash over the years, we can now make it very simple. We can now very easily show the map of where gay people legally have the right to get married in this country if they want to in the United States, just like straight people can. Because this is the new map. And it's an easy one to remember. This is the new map that shows where your rights are recognized in this country. It's done. It's everywhere. It is unambiguous. And you can see that become true in the wires today, in this incredible cascade of state-by-state state news, place-by-place place news. The decision came down on the wires at 10.02 a.m. By 10.19, look, same-sex couples in Texas may soon obtain marriage licenses. By 10.28, gay couples in Nebraska will now have their marriages legally recognized in the state that has had one of the most restrictive same-sex union bans in the country. By 10.45, the county clerk in the largest county in Arkansas tells the AP, while choking up, Quote, it's a special day. I'm honored to be part of it. And he says his office in Pulaski County, Arkansas, is prepared to issue marriage licenses. That was 1045. By 1046, it's Montana. Gay couples can now marry in Montana. By 1049, it's Michigan, one of the states that fought this to the Supreme Court. Look, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder says state agencies will ensure that the state fully complies with the Supreme Court's ruling. By four minutes later, 10.53, it's North Dakota. The Supreme Court ruling nullifies North Dakota's constitutional ban on same-sex marriage. Five minutes later, Ohio. A Cuyahoga County probate court has started issuing marriage licenses to gay couples. Three minutes after that, it's Georgia. Atlanta court marries gay couples. By 11.51, it's Kentucky. Kentucky Governor Steve Bashir has told the state's county clerks to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. And then it's South Dakota, and then it's Alabama, and then it's Tennessee, and this was today. And it is over. It's over. I mean, there are places that are going to go kicking and screaming and say they don't want to. In Mississippi, where they're thinking about taking the Confederate emblem off of their state flag this week, in Mississippi, the head of the Judiciary Committee in that state's legislature said today that maybe Mississippi should take a step toward banning all marriage. Maybe Mississippi should ban marriage for straight people and everyone, and maybe that will keep them from going along with this. But yeah, good luck, Mississippi. I mean, this may not be exactly done yet, but it will be done. This is settled. The dam is broken. And yes, a number of 2016 Republican presidential candidates say they will defy the Supreme Court on this. How does that work? Maybe they'll move to Canada. I don't know. But at the end of one week, when it did not seem possible for more change in our country, for another chapter to close, today made history. This was a decades-long fight, but it is over. It's really clearly over. Jay, this is calling from Maryland, and I am a libertarian 
I've been listening to your show for a long time, though. I love hearing different viewpoints and different perspectives on things. And actually, I'm calling because um, we actually share a lot in common. I know that um, you all played a libertarian show, but on libertarianism several episodes ago, and there's some a lot of uh, negative things said about libertarians, but we actually agree on a whole host of issues, whether it's foreign policy or the heritage episode I just listened to about uh, racism, and uh, on that note, the drug war, of course, disproportionately is harsh to minorities, and so I think that's an abomination, and all libertarians do. We have a lot to agree on, so I would like to extend an olive branch to you and your listeners, uh, who most of which I'm assuming are progressives. We could uh, we could uh, accomplish a lot if we would cooperate together and form coalitions um, on some key issues. Economics is probably where we disagree the most, but even then, we have a lot of agreement when it comes to crony capitalism. Someone like Ralph Nader even uh, realizes this and he has um, reached out to libertarians. So I just want to encourage a lot more cooperation between progressives and libertarians. We can get a lot done. And I'm sorry that we're such idiots on economics, you know, that we despise the poor so much and love wealthy people so much. But, but you know, hey, that's, that's just who we are. So uh, again, though, I love the show, especially the, the ones on foreign policy and so forth. So... Keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Hi, Jay. This is Elka in Fort Wayne, and um, I'm calling in response to the comment from Adriana. You know, I was, I was with Adriana. I agree with everything she said right up until the end when she <laughs> threw in some comment about racial policing And by that, I can only assume that she meant black checking and that she was making some sort of comment about black checking Rachel Dolezal. Uh, You know, as if the Rachel Dolezal situation isn't offensive enough to black folks, particularly black women, Right now, and I won't even go into all the reasons why. I mean, I, I I was very tempted last week to call and just, you know, just let loose with this diatribe about how deeply offensive and angering, not not hurtful. The words you used, Jay, were, you know, that this was something that hurt us and, and it caused us pain. I, it didn't hurt me. It didn't cause me any pain. It caused, I was angry. I was pissed off that this woman could, you know, would think that it's so easy to step into black womanhood and, and, and take on, literally take on, put on black femininity. But, I, but I'm not going to go all deep into that. I just... Again, back to Adriana's last comment about racial policing, and I'm, I'm using air quotes that you can't see. Wow, how offensive was that? Because, first of all, we are not even talking about somebody who is black. Okay, so she, so Rachel Dolezal can't be black checked. And second of all, that phenomenon of any marginalized group, a member of a marginalized group, 
checking another member of, of that same group is not new and it is not exclusive to people of color. So, you know, there are a couple of things that Adriana may need to check her own self on. That's all I have to say, Jay. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Katie Klebusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, you can either record a message on the voice memo app of your phone and email it to me, j at bestoftheleft.com, or leave a voicemail at 202-999-3991. Now, first of all, to our libertarian caller, uh, inaudible in Maryland. I didn't believe his name. That's just how it came in. I definitely agree. I, I've always thought that libertarians were anywhere from 50 to 60% not crazy. So I, I absolutely agree that there are things we can come together on, achieve great progress by working together. And yes, Ralph Nader, one of his most recent books is The Emerging Left-Right Alliance. He went on a tour with Grover Norquist, of all people, talking about all the issues they agree on. And I, I mean, even the Tea Party can be pulled in on questions like uh, getting money out of politics, for instance. I mean, they don't like corrupt politicians any more than we do. So yes, interesting alliances can absolutely be formed because let's get real, in this day and age, it is much less about left versus right as it is more about corporate versus people. And it is basically a non-political issue. You know, people on all sides of the spectrum agree that our politics should not be run by politicians and rich people corrupting our politics. And then secondly, thanks to Elka for calling in, not just for her comments, but for how good she sounded. Man, did you hear how good Elka sounded? That message came in being recorded on a voice memo app and emailed to me. And so I would highly recommend if you want to sound as good as Elka did and get your voice on the show, uh, record it ahead of time and send it in. I mean, I'll, I'll take your voicemails. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I mean, if we can all sound that good, why wouldn't we? So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash left. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. These are not opinions. I am right and you are wrong. Your arguments are worthless and your reasoning is flawed. Your mind can't be free when it's locked inside an ancient book. You see, the truth is much bigger than that if you ever care to look.